This is Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Sometime in the water. The Emancipation Proclamation was signed by President Abraham Lincoln on January 1, 1863, officially declaring the freedom of over three and a half million black slaves. However, news didn't make it as far as people would have originally thought. The American Civil War began on April 12, 1861, and four long years later, the Confederacy was defeated at the total cost of 620,000 Union and Confederate soldiers as of June 2nd, 1865. By the time the war ended in 1865, about 180,000 black men had served as soldiers in the U.S. Army. This was about 10% of the total Union fighting force. About 90,000 were former or contraband slaves from the Confederate States. About half of the rest were from the loyal border states, and the rest were free blacks from the North. 40,000 black soldiers died in the war, 10,000 in battle, and 30,000 from illness or infection. During the war, slavery in Texas was relatively unaffected because the state experienced no large-scale fighting or significant presence of Union troops. Many slave owners from outside the Lone Star State viewed it as a safe haven and moved there with their slaves. After the war came to a close in the spring of 1865, with General Granger's arrival in Galveston to announce that the Civil War had ended, signaled freedom for Texas's 250,000 slaves. They had no idea that their freedom had been secured by the government. On June 19, 1865, General Granger made the following announcement, which read as follows. The people of Texas are informed that, in accordance with a proclamation from the Executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. The freedmen are advised to remain quietly at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. Celebrations broke out among newly freed blacks although emancipation didn't happen overnight for everyone. On plantations, masters had to decide when and how to announce the news or wait for a government agent to arrive. In some cases, slave owners withheld the information until after harvest season. Even in Galveston, the ex-Confederate mayor flouted the army by forcing the freed people back to work. Those who acted on the news did so at their peril. Many men and women were lynched or shot in their attempts to pursue their newfound freedom. In one extreme case, according to Hayes Turner, a former slave named Katie Darling continued working for her mistress another six years. According to Darling, 
her mistress whipped her after the war just like she did before. Hardly the recipe for a celebration, which is what makes the story of Juneteenth all the more remarkable. Defying confusion and delay, terror and violence, the newly freed black men and women of Texas, with the aid of the Freedmen's Bureau, itself delayed from arriving until September 1865, now had a date to rally around. In one of the most inspiring grassroots efforts of the post-Civil War period, they transformed June 19th from a day of unheeded military orders into their own annual rite, Juneteenth, beginning one year later in 1866. Many traditions continue today. Rodeos, parades, baseball games, and barbecue are just a few of the typical Juneteenth activities. Juneteenth almost always focused on education and self-improvement. The Freedmen embraced June 19th wholeheartedly. It was a day to remember what life was like before emancipation. Most of the festivities were held in rural areas around rivers and creeks that could provide for activities such as fishing and horseback riding. Often, church grounds would be the site for such events. In time, however, black groups collected funds to purchase tracts of land for their celebrations, including Juneteenth. A common name for these sites was Emancipation Park. There were different locations around Austin where they would celebrate. And it was like they would come in shifts because everybody didn't get off at the same time. So you see the maids were there, uh, the cooks were there first, the laundresses at the celebration grounds. But the chauffeurs, they couldn't leave until they got off work in the evening. There are accounts of Juneteenth activities being interrupted and halted by white landowners demanding that their laborers return to work. However, in many cases, employers allowed their workers to take the day off, and some even made donations of food and money. For decades, these annual celebrations flourished, growing continuously with each passing year. It was the one annual holiday that African Americans owned. And when they came to celebrate, it was a way of looking at the past, but also trying to understand the present to move to the future. And so it went beyond um, celebrating by having um, baseball games and barbecues. There also were long speeches and luminaries from the black community present to remind one of the dark past of slavery and the promises of the, um, of the present. At one time, 30,000 people gathered at Comanche Crossing in Mejia, Texas for the Juneteenth event. In the towns and cities, parades were held and often a Juneteenth queen would be selected. In Austin, Juneteenth was first celebrated in 1867 under the direction of the Freedmen's Bureau. The Austin Parade featured the Goddess of Liberty. In 1888, they rededicated the new Capitol. And at the top of the new Capitol, they placed a Goddess of Liberty. Prior to this year, uh, the Freedmen would have these huge parades and they would have floats with a lot of little children. Usually there were children on it representing each state. But in the Juneteenth of 1889, they elected the Goddess of Liberty. And each year after that, up until the 1930s, when it went out of vogue and they started calling her the Juneteenth Queen, they had a Goddess of Liberty. Jaybird sitting in the top of the tree, tra-la-la-la-lee. When Juneteenth was celebrated back when my 
when we were children, Dad would dig a hole in the ground out in the yard and put wire over that, that hole that he would dig and put the wood and all that down in the hole and he'd barbecue. Well, most neighbors did that because they didn't have the barbecue pits. Uh, and you could smell it all over the community. Big days of, of barbecues and um, oh, all kinds of food, good cakes. I can remember the ladies from our church. It was a big thing, all the different potato salads. I've never had so many different potato salads except on Juneteenth. But yes, I was fortunate enough to celebrate, um, I can remember slightly, on a site in Austin that's called Old Emancipation Park. The early celebrations always had the participation of the governor of Texas and the members of the legislature. The governor would allow the, the organizers of Juneteenth celebrations to shoot the cannons on the Capitol grounds. And they started firing cannons Juneteenth morning at 4 o'clock to wake up the celebrants, to, to alert them that it's time to get out of the bed. They were proud of the fact that they were free, and they were proud to teach their children about it as best that they could. I leave it. 1861 when us come to Texas. Miles were pretty good. Treat us just about like you would a good mule. Us had the hoodooism to keep Miles from being mean. Us get the stick and match so many notches on it and slip up to Miles' front steps without him seeing us and put this stick right up under his doorsteps. Every night we'll go back to the stick and drive it down the notch. By the time the last notch in the ground, it make miles so good to us. That called hoodoos. When I was set free, my master called for me and told me I was going to be free on the 19th of June. He said I could stay too, and he would give me $5 per month if I stay and help him with the crops. Some paid us and some didn't. I made musician after I was freed. I made my first fiddle out of a gourd. If I made musician before I was freed, they could not have bought me for any price. That's right, before June 19th. Texas State Representative Al Edwards of Houston envisioned that blacks could have a formal celebration of emancipation from slavery. During his first year as a legislator, he authored the most meaningful piece of legislation for the black community that had ever existed in the history of Texas or any other state. He wrote and lobbied to get passed into law the bill making June 19th a legal state holiday. It would be the first official black state holiday in the U.S. I'd gone over to the Senate and I talked to the lieutenant governor at that time who was Governor Bill Hobby, and he said it would he was all right with it. I'd gone to the governor who at that time was Governor Bill Clemens. His position was, I'm not going to help you get your bill passed, but I'm not going to fight it. If you get it passed, then I'll sign it. At a memorable and historical ceremony on the grounds of the Texas State Capitol in Austin, the bill was signed into law on June 13, 1979. Representative Edwards has since actively sought to spread the observance of Juneteenth all across America. Other states are actually trying to get legislation that would create a holiday just as we did in Texas to make it a legal holiday. Buffalo, New York has the second largest Juneteenth celebration in the United States. But 
that June 19th has nothing to do with New York. They want to use that name just in the general sense of the meaning of freedom. And the landmark moment in American history today. President Biden making Juneteenth a new federal holiday, marking the day the last African-American slaves were freed in Texas following the Civil War. And there was a moment today, the president kneeling before 94-year-old Opal Lee from Texas, who worked so hard to see this day. Here's ABC senior national correspondent Steve Osinsami tonight. With the stroke of his pen today, President Biden signed into law a federal holiday for an event that many Americans had never even heard of until a few years ago. This is a day of profound, in my view, profound weight and profound power. Freedom Day for American slaves, Juneteenth. And it was almost 156 years ago to the day when federal troops moved into Galveston, Texas, setting free the last remaining slaves in America who had no idea that they had been freed years before. We are gathered here in a house built by enslaved people. We are footsteps away from where President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. The first black vice president was holding the hand of the 94-year-old black woman who helped make this happen, Miss Opal Lee. President Biden thanked her today. She's marched for years trying to make Juneteenth a holiday. I'm really a little old lady in tennis shoes getting in everybody else's business. There are many who feel it's no accident that this is happening after the street protests following the murder of George Floyd and the growing conversations over race in this country. And the president today is saying there is still work to do. To see this assault from restrictive laws, threats of intimidation, voter purges, and more. An assault that offends the very democracy, our very democracy. Across this nation, 16 states have recently passed new voting laws that many feel are meant to suppress the black vote. Nearly 400 similar laws have been introduced in state houses nationwide. Even lawmakers who fought against legislation focused on racial equality came out in support of this holiday. This year, Juneteenth falls on a Saturday, but the federal government says that it is set to recognize this holiday for most federal workers tomorrow. The debt that is owed, the Our Common Ground discussion series on the issue of reparations for the descendants of U.S. chattel slavery system. We hope you'll join us next week as we explore the political environment in which the demand is made, the debt that is owed. For all of you that have joined us in our chat room, we thank you as well. I'm Janice Grant. Join us each Saturday at Our Common Ground. I'll be listening for you, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time.
This is Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Sometime in the water, The Emancipation Proclamation was signed by President Abraham Lincoln on January 1, 1863, officially declaring the freedom of over three and a half million black slaves. However, news didn't make it as far as people would have originally thought. The American Civil War began on April 12, 1861, and four long years later, the Confederacy was defeated at the total cost of 620,000 Union and Confederate soldiers as of June 2nd, 1865. By the time the war ended in 1865, about 180,000 black men had served as soldiers in the U.S. Army. This was about 10% of the total Union fighting force. About 90,000 were former or contraband slaves from the Confederate States. About half of the rest were from the loyal border states, and the rest were free blacks from the North. 40,000 black soldiers died in the war, 10,000 in battle, and 30,000 from illness or infection. During the war, slavery in Texas was relatively unaffected because the state experienced no large-scale fighting or significant presence of Union troops. Many slave owners from outside the Lone Star State viewed it as a safe haven and moved there with their slaves. After the war came to a close in the spring of 1865, with General Granger's arrival in Galveston to announce that the Civil War had ended, signaled freedom for Texas's 250,000 slaves, they had no idea that their freedom had been secured by the government. On June 19, 1865, General Granger made the following announcement, which read as follows. The people of Texas are informed that, in accordance with a proclamation from the Executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. The freedmen are... Well, I don't know for sure just when I was birthed. They didn't keep no record in like they do now. I think Master Dave keeps some kind of record on us. He been dead a long time. Time for freedom in Louisiana. They refugees us to Texas in the wagons. Uh, we travel all day and all night and had to sleep on the ground. It didn't take us long to get to Calvert out there in the bottom of Texas. And they put us on a Barton plantation. <laughs> We was out there digging potatoes in the fields, and the Yankees pull up in two big wagons. And they tells us to come off the fields and freeze us. There wasn't no celebration about it. And Master say us can stay there till us decide what to do. Well, then something funny happened there. The slaves all drink out of that well. They, they drink in the morning and have awful cramps by dinner time. And in the evening, they's dead. 
dies like flies. So fast they, they couldn't even make coffins for them. They just sew them up in sacks and bury them that way. Hmm. Well, some of the slaves say they think master put some poison in that well. <laughs> well, I don't know what happened, but it sure look funny. <laughs> freed once before, really free, June 19th. Throughout the 1990s, Juneteenth continued to enjoy a growing and healthy interest from communities and organizations throughout the country. The Smithsonian Institution, the Henry Ford Museum, and others have begun sponsoring Juneteenth-centered activities. I think it's actually growing in terms of a celebration to look more fundamentally at the African-American experience and perhaps uncover aspects of it that we have not fully understood. It's just good for whites and blacks and browns to understand each other. Then they find out, oh, they're not as bad as I thought they were, if that's what they were thinking. Even the northern cities of Milwaukee and Minneapolis now host two of the largest Juneteenth celebrations in the nation. From as far away as Japan, the legacy of Juneteenth is celebrated. First of all, I celebrate the day starting at Ashtonville in Galveston, Texas, and that's where I've been since 1979. I started off giving thanks to God at the same place where Garden Granger made the announcement that we were set free. This year uh, for Juneteenth, we're going to go out to the St. John Colony celebration in, in Caldwell County, which is a long-standing celebration. It's very large, and there's free barbecue, there's baseball games, and a lot of good food. So it's a day off for a lot of people, so there are parades, uh, there are um, uh, picnics, and then there are programs where people can stop and talk about it and enter into a dialogue. It's a religious day. It's a day that in the morning when I get up, I thank God, just like anybody else would, that I'm free. I would say that there's an increased appreciation for um, the celebration, and so if anything, it's gotten larger. The Juneteenth experience offers important lessons for all Americans. The whole black struggle to gain equality is important, not only for blacks to know, but for all peoples to know. So for me, it ends in a hopefulness that society has made progress. I think it's important that we remember it. I think it's important because it's very much a part of our culture. Juneteenth, there's always going to be the issue of social justice, social inequality, issue of civil rights. It, that those are reoccurring themes throughout history. And Juneteenth represents the struggle to have all those things. Oh, keep your lamp trimmed and burning. By being sensitive to the conditions and experiences of others, we can then make significant and lasting improvements in our society. I would like for them to, to historically know the significance of it. If they don't want to celebrate, they don't have to celebrate. You know, but I'd like for you to know the importance of it. That's why I say it's so important that families teach their children 
about the history of Juneteenth, if you can't think of anything else and you hear the word Juneteenth, it should immediately go to your conscious mind that that's the day that the slaves were set free in Texas in 1865, June 19th. In cities all across the U.S., people of all races and religions come together to truthfully recognize a period in American history that continues to influence our society today. Whether it is called Juneteenth or the 19th of June, it is a significant day for all of us to celebrate our precious freedom. Thank you for joining us here at Our Common Ground. For all of you that have joined us in our chat room, we thank you as well. I'm Janice Grant. Join us each Saturday at Our Common Ground. I'll be listening for you, speaking truth to power and ourselves. The city has that stagger on the coastline in a nation I just can't stand much more Like the forest Buried beneath the highway Never had a chance to grow Never had a chance to grow And now it's winter 